is the Adam Crowley Show. Oh, I like him. <laughs> He's a handsome guy. ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM and 106.3 FM. It's with uh, <clears throat> great sadness that I join you here today to talk about your beloved Los Angeles Ducks of Anaheim. <laughs> Give me a tough one to get through. Give me a tough one to get through. <laughs> Crazy animal, those ducks. <laughs> they're always trying to swim and look calm underneath, but on the surface, they're just... <laughs> oh... Oh, how they used to be so mighty. Those ducks. Now they've been stripped of that might. How did things go so afoul? Gone are the days of Gordon Bombay and Charlie Conway. God bless Averman and Fulton Reed. Not even a knuckle puck. Could have saved them from the jaws of the shark. Oh, God. I long for the cartoon di- a duck. Not the giant webbed D. Oh, no. Although I am familiar with that feeling after I spend a little too much time in the hot tub. <laughs> These once mighty winged creatures used to be so vibrant. Ryan Getzlaff, the captain of the black-bellied whistlers, was one of the best in the game. <laughs> now he's been cut down in his prime like a mallard in an NES video game. It's so unfair. Johnny Whitehall Gibson, the pride of Western PA, will be out at Oakmont much earlier than anticipated. <laughs> it is with great sadness that we say goodbye to the Los Angeles Ducks of Anaheim. It can't be! Two gone from California in such a short period of time. What an unspeakable tragedy for their economy. What are they ever going to do? Go to the beach? Maybe hit up an In-N-Out burger? It's not the same! Maybe go see Mike Trout? It could go surfing, drive the coast. Hard times have befallen California, spreading like wildfire. Stop the madness! And soon the shores could be engulfed by climate change. Goodbye, ducks. R.I.P. in peace. <laughs> Funny creatures, those ducks, huh, Tom? Yeah, they're wild, man. Yeah. Underneath, their legs are churning like crazy, and then on the surface, they look as calm as a cucumber. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the expression is cool as a cucumber. Yeah. I've heard it both ways. Okay. Yeah, all right. That's funny. Just, Anaheim's not as funny as Los Angeles. What am I supposed to do? No, they're really not. Eh, just got, not at all. You got some good duck stuff. Yeah, there. got some duck stuff in there. I mean, people are upset, that's for sure. I get it. Yeah, it's rough. We got what now, like... 14 uh, more. 14 more to go. Well, I suppose 13. Because there will be no eulogy for the Pittsburgh Penguins when they hoist the cup for the third year in a row. Very good point. Damn, yeah. Yeah. Penguins don't die. They win. Phil Kessel is my dad, tweeted at underscore Adam Crowley. Why are you playing basketball sounds behind your hockey talk? Hashtag squeaky shoes. Hashtag dunks. First off, Phil, I don't know why you made hashtag squeaky shoes and hashtag dunks. No one's going to click on those. Secondly, 
Do you never listen to the show? Do you not understand what we're doing? How do you not get it? Ed tweets, I hear you saying it's the same story. We believed all year the Pens would show up come playoff time. Yeah, I was right the whole time. The Flyers also stink. Uh, Let's not forget about the fact that the Flyers aren't a good hockey club. Something that I've told you, and guess what? They're a 500 hockey club now if you take their record from the postseason and you slap it on top of their record from the regular season. They are 41 and... Stat Pat! I'm not going to do the math. Doesn't matter. They're not good. They're two games under 500. They were two games over 500 during the season. Now, 43 and 43. How about that? How about Crosby? He's got five goals. Tom, do you have any idea how many shots he's taken in the series? Uh, I'll guess eight. Brian? That'd be sweet. Both would be sweet. <laughs> I thought mine was sweet. I was hoping you'd oversell it. It's 11. 34? No, man. You'd be surprised. You know, it was only 11 shots. Wow. Wait, it's crazy. 11, 11 shots. 11 shots on goal. He's shooting less than 50%. Lemieux's better. Yeah, that's terrible, yeah. Crosby. Come on, Pick Sid. It up. What are you doing? With his two points last night, Sidney Crosby passed Mario Lemieux as the Penguins' all-time playoff scoring leader. I never thought I'd see that day. And neither did you. But, hey, here we are. A lot of the discussion today on sports radio has been about who's the greatest penguin of all time. Is it Sid? Is it Mario? The old folks are all like, yo, man, it can't be anyone other than Mario. And then the young kids are like, yo, man, it's got to be Sid. He scored more in the playoffs and won a cup three times. Anyone having that discussion is missing the point. We should not be discussing who's better. We should be discussing how gosh-darn lucky we are to have witnessed both at the height of their powers. Lemieux is the greatest individual talent that I've ever seen, maybe in any sport. He had an elegance about him that we just don't see in the modern game. He was effortless. Nobody should be able to move the way he does at his size, and yet he did. Crosby hates this, but he's the greatest grinder of all time. I wrote a blog about this, ESPNPGH.com. There's video of Sid being Sid grinding. There's video of Mario dicing people up. But Sid outworks everyone on the ice and off the ice. He thinks the game better than anybody he's playing against. Now, Mario's second all-time in points per game. Crosby's sixth. Lemieux dominated his era. Sid dominated his. Still is, really. Crosby's got 173 playoff points and will continue to add to that total. Mario had 172 albeit in far fewer games. Rank whomever you'd like to rank in front of the other guy. But you're lucky as hell to have gotten a chance to watch both. Comparison, as far as I'm concerned, it just ain't necessary. The Pittsburgh hockey team, the one with that cute little penguin on the front, has had a player win the scoring title in 15 of the last 30 years. The Flyers have never had a star win the Art Ross. You're spoiled, Penguins fans, and you're lucky. You're blessed. The Penguins have had two of the top five players in the history of the sport play their entire careers here in the Steel City. Sid's career, not going to last a decade. His prime is likely only a few short years. So don't waste your time arguing who's better. Instead, spend your time appreciating the greatness because you're never going to see it again. 412 Let's go to Paul in San Antonio. Hey, guys, how are you today? Delightful. How are you? 
I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for taking the call. Sure. Uh, my wife's from the North Hills, so I'm a pin stand by marriage. Okay, let's put it that Congratulations. Way. It's like winning the sports lottery. Uh, okay, fine, sure. <laughs> uh, but I, I was a Ducks fan when I lived in Orange County. And you know what? The stick you just did I thought was great. But, guys, go big or go home. You forgot the ultimate line. And the ultimate line is, oh, the humanity. Ah, on, yes, guys. you're right about right, that. Man, you're right. Son of a gun, Paul. Appreciate it, man. Good on you, Paul. Bye, have a good day. Oh, <laughs> I know you're going to have one because you're a Penguins fan. Tom, why the hell didn't you think of that? I'm just an idiot. Yeah. Paul should produce the show. Paul's a much better producer than Tom. Pulling the curtain back once again before our kerfluffle, before we got yelled at, before the whole emotional lid popped off this show prior to the show, Tom said, hey, Crowley, why don't you do the eulogy in front of us so that we can add some things to it if we need to? And I, well, I did. I said no. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to move on to the pizza cheese teas, and I think you would have added that. I wanted to. I'm not so sure. What's that even from? I don't know what he's talking about. Is there someone in there talking to him? Yeah. Who's talking to him? Uh, it, that was um, Gina. Yeah, oh. she, she wanted to make sure everything was okay. Someone told her it was kind of loud in the hallway. Oh, jeez. Oh, so HR came down. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Is that really what that was about? Yeah, that's what she asked me. <laughs> are, you, no, no. are you kidding me? No. no. Why would I make that up? People were like complaining about it. Now they think we're trying to kill each other. Look what we can't have a healthy argument in this damn place. Come on, friends, fight. Never heard someone screaming at another person before? God! Jeez. Andrew tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. Crosby is the man. Drew is not a man. F yeah. I don't like that kind of humor. It's not funny, Andrew. But I'll read it anyhow. Danny says at underscore Adam Crowley. Mario is to Sid like having two hot-ass girlfriends back-to-back. Who cares which girl is better? They're both hot. Hey, Danny boy, you spelled two wrong. Other than that, I think you're 100% right. It, it is the, that's exactly what I feel, though. There's no reason why Penguins fans need to beat each other up and talk about how one player is better than the other player. Oh, Lemieux is the king. Oh, Crosby's the king. Because if you say Lemieux, it's likely because you're older. If you say Crosby, it's likely because you're prisoners of the moment or you're young. So why can't we just say we watch Lemieux be the greatest hockey player maybe ever, and we're watching Sid perhaps supplant him. I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't much care. I just want to see him keep winning. I, I love watching Lemieux win. That's what it's all about. It's a good freaking argument to have to have, you know? Yes. Like It's actually yeah. the, the ability that yes. you can have that argument. Shut up after that. You can have it. 100% You're right. I said it in the first segment, Brian, that... When I was a kid, I was watching the X-Generation Penguins, and they stunk. They were terrible. They Ramsey had beat, Enrico Fata. And, I mean, there was a bunch of awful hockey players, and God bless them. I hope they're all doing well out there, but bad, bad, bad hockey players, Rico Fata. And I never thought the Penguins were going to have an opportunity to win three Stanley Cups in a 12-year period. Well, And hell, it's been three Stanley Cups in a nine-year period. They're in a 33% clip since they won in 2009, if my math's correct. And it very well might not be, but regardless, that's insane to me. It's insane, and Crosby's play has gotten them to that point, to the point of now you can have a discussion about who's the greatest penguin. I never thought we'd have it, ever. We're never going to see another home run king in baseball. It's never going to happen. Never, ever, ever, ever are we going to see someone hit 750 home runs. It's just not going to happen. Don't shake your head, Tom. Don't you be that guy. It's not going to happen. Manny Machado's pretty good. Oh, for the love of God. 
I never thought we'd see someone supplant Mario. And I'm not saying we have, and I'm not interested in the discussion. But the discussion I am interested in is the fact that we can have the discussion. Yeah. Because he's been superb. And when you're comparing great players, I don't think you should compare the players themselves, but you compare what they did to their era. And I don't think Crosby's got a true peer in this era. Ovechkin can score a bunch of goals, but come on. Come on. Come on. He plays wing. He doesn't put up the point totals Crosby does. Crosby's defensively responsible, plays 200 feet. He doesn't have a true peer. Lemieux's true peer was Gretzky, I suppose, but I'll argue this every single time. Gretzky, not the player Lemieux was. He wasn't. If you go back and you extrapolate the points per game for Mario Lemieux, he winds up, if he plays as many games as Gretzky did, having 57 less points. But the reason his points per game wasn't higher is because he had back problems and cancer. He would have had more points per game. Injuries and cancer derailed his career. He came back and was averaging two points per game from cancer. From freaking cancer! Oh, forget about it. Lemieux's the greatest of all time. Get out of here, Crosby. Yeah, nonsense. We just had this uh, Twitter poll go up. At underscore Adam Crowley. I'm afraid I'm going to get fired when I get off the air here. I might just try to ramble for as long as I possibly can. <laughs> yeah, I'm terrified. Who would you rather have in a two-on-two competition? Crosby and Jordan? Or Lemieux and LeBron? The answers with Greg Wyshynski from ESPN next. It's ESPN Pittsburgh. Penguins all but killed off the Flyers last night. One more formality. I think it gets done tomorrow night. We will all be drunk and happy here in the city of Pittsburgh. A couple of teams already eliminated. Los Angeles Kings and, of course, the Anaheim Ducks. Joining us now to discuss everything going on around the National Hockey League as well as right here in Pittsburgh is Greg Wyshynski from ESPN now. Uh, Greg, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. If we're all one big family now. Yes, we are, which is why we got to bash Madden a little bit, right? <laughs> I don't want to punch down. Oh! Oh! I can hear Tom in the other room screaming at that one. I like it. Uh, Greg, thank you again for taking the time today. When you look at this Penguins-Flyers series, uh, I'm sure it's... Well, I'm not going to speak for you, but for a lot of people, it's not living up to expectation in terms of what the rivalry has been. Are you surprised by that at all? Yeah, I am a little bit surprised. I mean, I think that the, Peng- the Flyers had shown in the last few weeks of the regular season that maybe uh, they were going to come, come with a little bit more depth and a little bit more uh, punch uh, and maybe slightly competent goaltending. But, uh, you know, they've had some punch here and there, but they haven't had anything else. And, you know, it's it's one of those series that I think is part of a, a trend in the first round where on paper it looked great, and then uh, in, in execution it's been bad. I, I put up a picture on Twitter last night that the playoffs, when we saw the matchups, is a big, beautiful pizza box, and then you open it, and the pizza's covered in cockroaches. So it's just like <laughs> it did not follow through at all with how good we thought these matchups were going to be. But in the Flyers' case, it's like the same thing over and over again. It's like their, their goaltending sucks. They... they They've got they've got no solution there, and then and then of course you know what do you expect their the team going to do the, the team to do when their goon defenseman injures their number one center in practice? 
How'd you view that? Because, I mean, that was dumb, obviously. Gudis needs to be a little bit smarter there. Do you, do you think that, I mean, obviously he's not trying to kill the guy, but he also needs to not be there at that time, yes? No, I, I, it's an accident, and accidents happen, but I, I think what, what hasn't been talked about enough is the karmic uh, uh, context of <laughs> right. what happened in that situation where you have a player who spends the majority of his time stepping over the line and trying to injure others. Uh, who ends up uh, injuring the number one uh, center on his own team in practice by accident? It's a it's a it's a twilight zone like twist uh, to the season of Radko Gudis. Greg Wojcinski joining us here from ESPN. It is the Crowley Show. Uh, Greg, do you think? And you've mentioned the Flyers' bad goaltending. Do you think it's more about what Pittsburgh's doing well or what Philadelphia is doing poorly? Oh, I think it's it's been you know Pittsburgh playing as you'd expect. Uh, you know the offensive gun firing uh, as as you'd expect, but it's also just you know another in a string of of band aids placed on this problem that the Flyers have every single season with their goaltending, uh, and then it not working out. And you know I was, I was talking to somebody at the Devils game. Uh, I was at the Devils game last night. I was talking to somebody in the business about is the solution eventually just going to be that you know they're they're going to grow one of their own. They're going to grow a goalie of their own, whether it's uh, Carter Hart uh, or Alex Leone or whoever's in the system right now, and that's going to fix the problem because the last guy they they produced uh, that was of any you know any any quality was Bobrovsky, and he's great. I mean, they gave up on him, but he's great. So maybe the solution is to stop going outside the organization, bringing guys into a, a toxic situation where goaltenders are never playing well in that city, and maybe you develop your own guy with the right thick skin, and and that solves the problem because. It's now, you know, it's been several years now where they've brought in veteran guys that haven't worked out. Clearly a huge issue, uh, without a doubt. But apart from that, moving forward, how do you think this Philadelphia team is going to fare? Because they do have some really nice pieces. Oh, yeah. I mean, the future's bright. I actually thought that they were ahead of schedule making yeah. the playoffs this year. Uh, you know, Nolan Patrick kind of found his game later in the season. Uh, you know, Couturier really stepped up and became a different kind of player. I mean, this is... This is sort of a Patrice Bergeron track this kid's on now where he's going to be a Selkie Trophy nominee but also be a top scorer on his team. And that's they've been waiting years to see that happen. Uh, good young defense with Gossip Bear and Provorov. And, you know, they just have to kind of figure out the goaltending situation. There's a lot of other pieces there to really like about the Flyers. So, uh, you know, this, this loss isn't devastating. This loss isn't the one where they're going to have to rethink what they're doing. Uh, I think they know that they, they're on the right trajectory right now. The other series that, of course, is interesting to Penguins fans is the Capitals and the Blue Jackets. I don't think the Penguins <laughs> want to see any team win that series, but uh, hey, maybe neither one of those teams wants to win that series. Uh, how do you see this one going? Uh, I guess that's a difficult question given how unpredictable, really, it's been so far. Well, I mean, Penguins fans should like the way it's going now, where, where they're playing the equivalent of 10 games right. uh, with all the overtimes been playing. <laughs> it's like, it's like uh, you know, they, they'll become, I think it's the. Uh, either the, I think the third t- uh, t- series in NHL history to have the first uh, four games go to overtime. If this, if this next one goes to extra time, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, you know, I, the, the Capitals are are a weird one in this series. I, I I disagreed with the decision to start Philip Grubauer in the first two games of the series. Um, I, I would have started Holtby and, and seen what you had out of him, and then go from there. They didn't do it. They lost the first two games. Holtby comes in, saves the day uh, in Game Three. I, I just don't think this Capitals team is anywhere near as good as the ones we've seen in previous seasons, as far as their depth, as far as what they have beyond the top, the top, you know, couple of scorers. Um, and, and to that end, I picked the Blue Jackets to win the series. Now, if it is Penguins Blue Jackets in the next round, 
you, you go back to the history of it all. I mean, in, in both cases, the Penguins have had a mastery against both teams, and there's a psychological advantage they're going to have in either series, no matter who comes out of this other side of the bracket. The one thing that gives me pause about the Penguins playing the Blue Jackets, besides the idea that maybe they're due, is the notion that they have a better quality uh, group of offensive players with this team than they've had in yeah. previous goes at the Penguins. It's, you know, Pierre Dubois, uh, their bright young rookie. It's, it's obviously our Timmy Panarin with seven points in three games. They've got some guns now that they can, they can bring to this fight. Um, may not be as many as the Penguins have, and at the end of the day, it may just be another overwhelming win for, for Pittsburgh. Uh, but it's, it's a better Blue Jackets team than they've seen in, in the past. I hate the Capitals for a number of different reasons, but one of the things I hate the most about watching them play is Ovechkin sitting in the circle, putting one behind the goalie, and then that spotlight and the siren at the Verizon Center. But I think I hate something more than that now, and it's Cam Atkinson going back and forth with Artemi Panarin, and then, my God, you got to hear that cannon in Columbus. So I, I think from a me having an aneurysm standpoint, I don't want to see either of those teams. Well, I have a very unique relationship with the Cannon because I was at the All-Star game that year in Columbus when the, the two teams combined to score, like, 20 goals. And, and since they were there was no real, like, you know, home team, they just fired the Cannon whenever anybody scored. <laughs> so uh, I, felt, I felt like I was in the beginning of Saving Private Ryan by the time I got done with that All-Star game. It was a bit much. Greg Wojcinski joining us here. He from ESPN, us, of course, ESPN. Pittsburgh. Looking at the other very intriguing series to me here in the Eastern Conference, uh, of course, Boston and the Maple Leafs. I don't think Toronto played all that great in game number three, certainly better than they had the first two games. I think they're going to have to find another level tonight, Greg, in order to push this one a little bit further. Yeah, I mean, the thing they're, they're going to have to because the idea that they're going to be able to keep the Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, and David Pasternak line off the off the scoreboard for a second straight game is, is kind of hard to imagine um, after doing a really good job against them in game three. What they need is a, is a full 60 from their goalie, Freddie Anderson. He he's kind of reminds me a little bit of, of Craig Anderson, who's now with the Ottawa Senators, in the sense that both these guys can look like the best goalie in the league for stretches mm-hmm. of their games, and then they end up giving up a soft goal, and you're like, well, who was that other guy? And in, 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 in Freddie's case, the first half of game three was, was not good. Uh, but the second half of Game Three, where he made you know one of the best saves uh, of of the year uh, with his paddle, was was spectacular. So they need to get a, a consistent performance of him, if only because the Leafs at this point in their maturation as a contender just give up way too many shots on goal. Uh, so they're going to need this guy to bail him out. I'm curious, Greg, your thoughts on Vegas and what it would mean for the league if. And let's fast forward a little bit, and maybe some things would have to go their way. But if they were to say win the Stanley Cup, would that be an indictment? Is it an indictment now on general managers throughout the league? Is it an indictment on the sport? It's not an indictment on the sport, um, and it might be an indictment on the NHL for giving that Vegas team the, the most, uh, the friendliest expansion draft rules they've ever given a team. Um, and I think it's not just the players they selected, but also the leverage that they had in acquiring other players because of the, the chance they were going to take a good player from another team. Um, I do think, though, that there's something to be said for a massive reconsideration of the comfortability of players. A lot's been said about Vegas and, and what's motivated them, you know, from you know, getting one over on their old teams to the shooting tragedy on the Strip and how that bonded them with the city and everything else. But 
The other factor is you got a lot of guys playing for contracts. I mean, the majority yeah. of the roster entering this season was playing for a contract. And on top of that, playing for the chance to stay in Vegas, which is a pretty decent place to live. Um, so I think one of, the, one of the things that's been lost in all of this equation, you know, in trying to study why this has happened, is the notion that all of these guys were motivated in a way that players that have seven- to eight-year contracts uh, with nothing to show for them uh, may not necessarily be as motivated. I'm not saying everybody on an eight-year contract is fat and happy. Lord knows, you know, Sid and Gino aren't. But in some places, there's been accusations of comfortability. San Jose was always a place where that was the case, uh, where a, a hungrier Vegas team might not necessarily have that sort of complacency. Well, now there's the easy segue. Who's playing better hockey right now, San Jose or Vegas? I'm, I'm baffled by this series because I think, I think San Jose at the end of the day is kind of the team that a lot of people thought L.A. might be against Vegas. I, I picked Vegas to beat L.A. A lot of people didn't. I think they didn't because they saw L.A. as a, a veteran team that plays really solid defense that would be able to figure out what Vegas is doing and shut it down. And I think that could be the Sharks. And I also think the Sharks might have the speed and the scoring to kind of keep up with the, the four lines that the Golden Knights roll. That said, I mean, at this point, I, I can't, I'm having a hard time picking against Vegas in any series. They mm-hmm. just keep on defying expectations. They're getting incredible goaltending from Flurry, um, and they're getting offensive contributions throughout the lineup. They, they obviously have to be better than a goal per game uh, than they were with the, with the L.A. Kings. I mean, part of that's also the Kings being the best defensive team in hockey during the regular season. But they've got to be able to score a few more goals against the Sharks team that's going to put a few on the board. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of leaning Vegas in that series, despite the fact that San Jose seems to have the kind of pedigree you'd look for to uh, be able to shut down this uh, plucky upstart team. Has anybody in hockey history looked more like Rasputin than Patrick Laine? <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty good comparison. Uh, I mean, the greatest thing about Patrick Laine is there's two things I love about him. The first is the, is the rarity for a young player to outwardly declare that he wants to be better than the player he's being compared to. Mm. When, when Connor came up with the Oilers, and he was being asked about Sid every single day. There was never a situation where McDavid's like, yeah, I want to be better than Sid. But Lana will tell you, I want to break all of Ovechkin's records. And I think that's really refreshing and kind of swaggery and kind of cool. The other thing I love about him is that he literally doesn't want to do anything else in life except score goals for the Winnipeg Jets and play video games. And I think that's a really aspirational thing for anybody who's 20 years old. If you can set up your life, to just get paid millions of dollars to score goals and then go home and play Call of Duty with your friends back in Helsinki, I think you've carved out a nice little niche for yourself in life. Yeah, you could certainly do worse. I am going to have a difficult time rooting in that series between Nashville and Winnipeg because I really like P.K. Subban. He's got so much of that swagger, too, and Patrick Laine is just a joy to watch. He is, and and I think, obviously, in Winnipeg's case, never having won a cup, uh, and having the team taken from them and then come back. It's a great story. Those fans are incredible. I think that that team is going to be good for a bit, and, and so will Nashville in some ways, too. But I'd like to see the Predators get that cup. You know, they, they, they pushed so far last year against the Pens. Uh, everybody, obviously, even, even Pittsburgh fans fell in love with the, uh, the fan experience in Nashville. I feel like seeing that team and that city rewarded with a cup, and also, like you mentioned, the utter joy of seeing P.K. Subban hoist the <laughs> cup while his friends back in Montreal figure out what the hell to do with the rest of Shea Weber's contract 
is, uh, is, is a delicious thing to look out for as well. Greg, really appreciate the time. Before you go, we had Emily Kaplan on yesterday, and she brought this up. Ask him to sing for you the rendition of Sweet Caroline uh, that the Golden Knights sing at their games. He's obsessed with it. <laughs> we got to make it happen. we got to make it happen, Greg. What do you got for us? Well, I'm going to have to cut directly to the chorus because that's, that's what I sing, and I'll modulate it because of what happened in the first round. Sweet Golden Knights. They actually sing Sweet Golden Nights at the Vegas games, and it's the greatest thing ever. And they stopped doing it for a while, and then I kept on making fun of them for it, and then they bought it back because they had fans just doing it randomly at games, and they decided to capitalize on it. So good on them. Well, it's really original. I've never seen it done anywhere else, uh, certainly not in Boston. The Pitt Panthers uh, haven't taken it either. Uh, just really, really, <laughs> really original stuff there from the Golden Knights. Although, that isn't a, I mean, come on. They, they do a great job with uh, social media, everything like that, but uh, that's... a. A little bit they, of a stretch they, there. The coolest thing that they do at games, real quickly, if you've yeah. ever seen one, they have a drum line. It's, they stand in front of a cheesy-looking cardboard castle, but they have a drum line that's lit up like, it looks like Tron, basically. And it's all these guys, and when they hit their drums, they light up, and it's all in sequence. It's one of the coolest things I've ever seen at a hockey game. And uh, and the Vegas experience overall for a game is, is, is wicked cool. And uh, give, give me Vegas, Nashville uh, in the Western Conference Final, and... and I'll, I'll break the sad news to my liver that it's Vegas Nashville. Awesome. Hey, appreciate the time, Greg. Thank you so much. You got it, man. Thanks. There he goes. Greg Wyshynski, former Puck Daddy. I bet you he still calls himself the Puck Daddy, though, when he flexes in the mirror. I would. I know I would. How about that? Come on, man. How about that? Come on. Not bad, huh? Your impressions today are really bad. Let's put a smile on your face. Oh, no. Coming up next, I've got a mock stealer schedule. Yeah, that's right. You heard me correctly. You heard me. I'll do it my way. It's a Crowley show. Touching warm. Reaching out. Touching me. Touching you. studio with bill cameron when i look at you i get scared and and as i look a lot huh happens a lot people look at me and they get scared okay i I, I will admit it okay i'll admit it you want to tell everybody on the radio about it i am me i have to live with this how do you think this makes me feel wow well uh doctor sell a car sell a truck showsford.com two locations (laughs) don't get shows to fight not even a word (laughs) showsford it's richard bazzi thank you very much help me sir help me at showsford Adam forgot the pause. He's so dumb. He doesn't even know that I'm doing this right now. What an idiot. What an absolute idiot. Good job on forgetting the pause, man. Great stuff. Oh, no. I tweeted out at underscore Adam Crowley to forget comparing Sid and Mario and just enjoy the greatness. And Mark Madden, friend, co-worker, he quote tweeted and said, boy, you're new at this. Yeah, I guess I'm just a young man 
blissfully traipsing along in my own ignorance. Why do I have to have that strong of an opinion one way or the other, though? That's just it. That's sports radio, isn't it? Sports radio tells you, well, you have to have an opinion. Who's better, Crosby or Malkin? Who's better, Crosby or Lemieux? Who's better, Malkin or Yager? And I have to have one, right? Those be the rules, and I'm supposed to follow them. No, I don't want to pick. I don't want to. Okay, I love Sid. He's brought my town three championships. And I love Mario because he brought it two and then kept the damn team around to win three more. I don't have to pick and choose. I like pizza. I like steak. I eat them both. Tonight, the (laughs) National Football League schedule is going to come out. And it's one of my favorite days of the year because we like to make fun of traditional media. We like to do our show a little satirically here on ESPN Pittsburgh from 4 o'clock until 7. We'll have some takes. I'll break down some games. But we also like to make fun of the way that other people do media. And Brian Price, who does a really good job covering the Patriots for the Boston Sports Journal, tweeted out earlier today, Well, I know the Patriots aren't going to be at home week two because Ed Sheeran will be there. And they're trying to piece it together based on whatever pump pop band is Coming through the town. I mean, guys, it comes out at 8. Do we have to break the schedule before then? Well, I do. I have to break it. Here's my Steelers schedule exclusively right here on ESPN Pittsburgh. September 9th, week 1, the Steelers will get a bye week to allow Le'Veon Bell to get acclimated after skipping training camp. Week 2, September 16th, Steelers will open up their season Against the Denver Broncos. Kickoff will be at 420, and the Broncos will start Case Keenum or Paxton Lynch at quarterback. But whoever doesn't start will get to play the second half. September 23rd, week three, Atlanta comes to town for the Steelers' home opener. The Falcons will be spotted a 28-3 lead before opening kickoff. September 30th, week four, up next, the Jacksonville Jaguars on the road in Georgia. They say they're in Florida, but come on, we all know it feels more like Georgia. Mike Mitchell, who will wind up being a TV analyst, guarantees a Steelers victory. October 7th, Week 5, Cam Newton and the Panthers will visit the Steelers in early October. Pittsburgh radio callers all week will say that Cam can't beat the Steelers from the pocket. Oh! A little racism there, eh? October 14th, Week 6, Pittsburgh travels to the Bayou to take on the New Orleans Saints. All fans in attendance get a replica Drew Brees birthmark. Oh! Week 7. The Chiefs come to the Steel City with new quarterback Patrick Mahomes at the helm. Callers will say that he can't beat the Steelers from the pocket. And James Harrison will come out of retirement to draw a holding penalty on Eric Fisher. Oh! October 28th, Week 8. The Steelers, confused about relocation, travel to Las Vegas to play the Raiders. Marc-Andre Fleury sings the national anthem. Oh! Week 9. The Steelers open up divisional play late this year because... I forgot to factor that into my schedule making. Oh! RG3 and the Ravens come to town. Oh! And callers say that RG3 can't beat the Steelers from the pocket. Oh! Racism. Oh! November 11th, week 10, it's National CTE Awareness Day as the Steelers travel to the Queen City to take on the Bengals. Oh! Week 11, the Brannies come to Pittsburgh for an old-fashioned AFC North rivalry game. What's that mean, Tom? The records are going right in the trash. Which means the Browns won't be throwing away any wins. Oh! Week 12, November 25th, the Steelers hit the road to visit Tampa. 
at Raymond James Stadium, the home of Super Bowl 43. The first 2,500 fans in attendance get a voucher for a stolen, <clears throat> I mean, uh, free crab legs. Oh! Or, if you've got a shellfish allergy, you could always eat a W. Oh! December 2nd, never forget, week 16, 13, pardon me, the Steelers end the season with a brutal close. They'll head west to Los Angeles to take on the Chargers. The Chargers are going to be 6-6, six and six, and nobody will want to play them in the playoffs. Oh! Week 14, Bengals coming to Pittsburgh for a night game that has to be changed to a day game because Mayor Bill Peduto says he does not want Pac-Man Jones to be roaming the streets at night. Oh! December 16th, week 15, the Steelers are on the road at Cleveland. It is contractually binding that Hugh Jackson be fired immediately after the game. Oh! Week 16, Steelers will forego week 17 and play a doubleheader on Christmas Day. At 425, they'll play the Patriots. It's kiss your kid night at the stadium. And at 825, they'll play the Ravens. Game one will take place in Pittsburgh. Game two in New England. Oh! That's a tough schedule. I've got him going 11 and 5. 12 and 4 with an assist from Al Riveron. Yeah! If that's what the schedule winds up being, I'm playing the lottery. I think I nailed it. By the way, that sound that you heard, my voice going, oh, oh, was after Wyshynski dropped a bomb on Madden at the beginning of the show. And I think if you listen quietly there, you can actually hear Tom in the background on the other side of the glass going, oh, too. Listen carefully. Oh, I think you can. Oh, I think that's you in the other room. Oh, because Tom, you lost your mind. That was awesome. You know what? Let's hear it. Yeah, let's. We got to bash Madden a little bit, right? (laughs) I don't want to punch down. Oh! Oh! I double-owed. That's me. You can hear me. That is you. Do one more time. One more time with you. Oh! (laughs) You can definitely hear me. (laughs) You're screaming over there. Dude, I can hear it, though. I could hear it from in there. I could feel the vibration. I could. I'd be embarrassed today if I were a Flyers fan. I would just be pissed. Any day I was a Flyers fan, though, frankly, I'd be embarrassed. That team did not know the game started until 11 minutes. We're already off the clock. And that just simply can't happen when you're playing a must-win game at home. The Penguins are the ones that came out looking like the team that was down 2-1 to one in a series playing in front of its home crowd. Hell, Flyers fans were as quiet as Donovan McNabb on a potential Super Bowl winning drive. They threw up. Place sounded like a morgue. By the time they got into the game, they were down one nothing. Flyers are losers. Lehew Zeher, they have not won a championship since 1975. They're 0-6 so far in the Cup since then. They've not been in this spot, not with this group, and the lights are too bright. The Penguins, though, knowing that Couturier wasn't going to play, smelled blood in the water. They were circling their prey. At no point did I think the Penguins were going to lose that game. Neither did the Penguins, neither did the Flyers. And Stan and I have talked about this a bunch, either on his show, noon to two on ESPN Pittsburgh, or just throughout the hallways, about teams knowing when a series is donezo. Teams knowing when the other teams got their number. There's an air of available in- inevitability, easy for me to say, 
an air of inevitability that both teams figure out. And I think that right after Phil Kessel scored, both teams knew it was over. The Penguins have probably known the whole time, but I think when that puck slid through the five hole of Brian Elliott, they all knew they were effed. They were cooked. It was over. They weren't good enough. And then their play the rest of the way proved it. 412-922-2874. I'd like you to chime in on the terrible play of the Philadelphia Flyers last night, and really throughout the entire series. What an embarrassment. They're... Stars, I put that gently in air quotes, haven't scored a goal in this series. Giroux, we call him Fraud Giroux. Eh, Clearly, we created that. Very clever. He got one assist and is a minus seven in this series. Simmons, who had 24 goals this season, has just had one assist. Voracek, who's a 20-goal scorer, has two assists. You can't win that way. Not when you're the team that's worse. The Penguins can win with depth scoring. They can't. And Claude Giroux, for all the talk about him and this baton and him being a great player, F all that. He's a good player. He's not great. Great players do it in the playoffs. He hasn't. He hasn't scored a goal in 10 straight playoff games, and the last goal he scored was in the empty net. That guy cannot ramp his game up when it absolutely matters most. You can't win that way. You can't. And I saw somebody from the national media defending Giroud today. Giroud never said anything about a baton. Why don't you lay off the guy a bit? If he hadn't said anything, he had 102 points in the regular season and has one in the playoffs. That's enough reason alone to bash the guy. And it's not like his coach, Peter LaViolette, at the time didn't say he was the best player in hockey. So, yeah, excuse me if I don't want to take it easy on good old flawed guy Rooks. Coming up next, Tim Benz, anything but a fraud. He's the official vampire of the Crowley Show. You're listening to ESPN Pittsburgh. Hi, Tom Bodette with a word on fusion cuisine, where you mix one country's food with another one. I always call that stew, but whatever gets you to dessert. But whether you like a French vigissoise with Thai chili oil, or you're more into the fusion of American burger and French fry, you'll save more for that meal at Motel 6. It's an intriguing mix of clean, comfortable, and low prices, or as we fusionistas call it, Colo. I'm Tom Bodette from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Brian's a bigger man than I am. He walks in here. We broke his vape and his coil. He you walks broke, in you here. You broke his vape. You broke it, yeah, Tom. You broke it. You, whatever. Was you. Either way, no. he walks in Admit here. It. I don't know if he offered Admit this to right you. Now. He sets it, it no. down right in front tell of me. You know what he did? He offered no. me an olive no. branch. Tell me right now he that you broke it. He extended me an olive branch. Say it. I don't have to say, say it. Because 